I'm Major Robinson, Juanita Vero, Chris Warden, Barb Sestero, Jim Swan, Adriana Hines. This is Sherry Jarvis. Hello, this is Samuel Enemy Hunter from Lodgegrass, Montana. From Greeno, Montana. From Rocky Boy. From Virginia City, Montana. Helena, Montana. And you're listening to Listen First. Listen First. You're listening to Listen First, Montana. Hi, this is Chantelle Schieffer, President and CEO of Leadership Montana. Views and opinions shared by guests of Listen First Montana do not reflect the opinions of all of our alumni or organization. We are a large group with lots of opinions, believe me. If you hear something that makes you uncomfortable, we invite you to listen deeply, listen hard, and listen first. Hello and welcome to Listen First Montana, a podcast of Leadership Montana. I'm Eric Halverson. You're listening to a special mini-series of this podcast, focused on Leadership Montana's newest program, the Indigenous Immersion Initiative. About 20 Leadership Montana alumni are participating in this new program, and you'll hear from them as they visit four different tribal nations. Their reflections on this podcast offer listeners a wide range of perspectives insights, and levels of familiarity with the communities this group will visit. For this episode, let's head to Pablo, Montana, on the homelands of the Confederated Salish and Kootenai tribes, for three different short conversations recorded in January of 2023. All three of these conversations feature Major Robinson. Major is the chair of Leadership Montana's Indigenous Advisory Council, an enrolled member of the Northern Cheyenne Tribe, and member of Leadership Montana's Board of Governors. For part one of this three-part episode, Major interviews Dr. Joe McDonald, founder and former president of Salish and Kootenai College. Dr. McDonald has been called the father of tribal colleges in Montana and is widely praised for a lifetime of wonderful contribution both to Salish and Kootenai College and countless other meaningful projects. For part two, Major has a brief moment to interview Cinda Ironmaker, Cinda is an enrolled member of the Blackfeet Tribe, she is the Public Health Specialist for the Rocky Mountain Tribal Leaders Council, and a participant in Leadership Montana's Indigenous Immersion Initiative. Finally, for part three, Major talks about the architecture of the CSKT Tribal Building and his own work weaving Indigenous culture into the architecture of the American Indian Hall in Bozeman. To start, let's head to Salish and Kootenai College for Major's conversation with Dr. Joe McDonald. Today, we're here in Salish and Kootenai and Pondere country here in um, Pablo. And so we're taking some time to talk to Joe McDonald, who uh, is the former president of the Salish and Kootenai College. And it's, it's great to see you. <laughs> it's been a while. You yeah, know. I guess so, Major. I know. And, uh, but it's always, always good to come here to, to Salish and Kootenai and Pondere country. Yeah. You know, I always look forward to it. And, yeah, well, that's good. Uh, look forward to seeing you as well. Uh-huh. So it was a nice surprise to catch up with you. Yeah, well, thank you. Sure. Northern Cheyenne's always been a favorite of mine. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you got to spend a little time? With John Wooden Legs and oh, those yeah. guys, yeah. 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 And I had a basketball player that made me famous in eastern Montana. A kid by the name of George Yellow Eyes. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, you ever hear of him? I don't know, Joe. 
Yeah, he was in the reform school. Uh-huh. It kind of raised there. Oh, is that right? And uh, I was a coach. Yeah. And he got so he, like uh, Bill LaForge said, or Bill's brother Dan, he just doesn't seem to be able to miss. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good problem to have. <laughs> Well, now we're in basketball season here again, yeah. so it's always an honor to come and see you and spend some time with you. And we're on the campus here, too. Um, we're actually in one of the buildings here. Can you tell us a, a little bit about this building that we're in right now? It's a gymnasium and a, uh, a fitness center uh, with weight machines and all next door. And then it has the conference room there where you're going to have lunch and uh, meet this afternoon. And so it's kind of an all-purpose uh, building. Yeah. Well, you have a beautiful campus here, and well, thank you. uh, and and you've been a part of it from the very beginning. Yeah. <laughs> can you can you tell us a, a little bit about uh, what you've seen over the years as as president of the college here? Well, I was, you know, the 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 need was here, the need was here, and uh, when we presented the you know the idea of the college, and as it slowly grew. Uh, it just grew because of the need and the response mm -hmm. of the people to it. And uh, the tribe needed it so desperately with the, you know, the Indian Self-Determination Act. And we had this opportunity to contract all these programs, but we didn't have the manpower to do it. The people trained well enough to take over those positions. And, uh, and as, as it's moved along, there's more and more programs, you know, that the tribe runs and, and uh, they just need to have those, those people, you know, ready to do that. And then there were a lot of other students that, you know, had their own ideas, not necessarily involved with the tribe, but their own occupations and things they wanted to do. And then we wanted to serve the non-Indian community because many of the non-Indian people here were, you know, stranded from higher education, just like our tribal members. Mm -hmm. They have to go to Kalispell or Missoula, and for some of the rural families, it was a big step just like it was for our Indian people. And uh, so we tried to serve them too, and it really has worked very well. Yeah, that's, that's the interesting that a lot of people don't realize is that tribal colleges serve both tribal members and non-tribal members. And it's done so much to promote understanding here. Uh, the students you know, are in classes together, visit together, mm -hmm. recognize one another's cultures and needs and appreciate one another more. So it really has been been worked out very well yeah you know that fits right into the mission of leadership montana well, you, you know because what we're doing with the indigenous indigenous immersion program uh -huh. is really to try to uh expand that understanding oh, yeah. from non-natives to our native way of life so uh -huh. that's what we've been working at the uh -huh. past year is bringing our participants to indian communities so they can hear directly from tribal members what you've experienced and what you're doing right now. Yeah. And so, um, so we've been to different, different tribal college campuses as well because oh, yeah. that's kind of that, that safe ground, you know, yeah. where you can talk about things. It's not controlled by the tribal government yeah, that's right. <laughs> and shouldn't be. Yeah. And, uh, and yet it really allows that communication to happen. Yeah. And so um, it's good to be here on campus, uh, you know, with you and, and I know um, the, the college, uh, president right now is Sandra Boham, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Can you talk, talk to us a little bit about Sandra? Yeah, she was a student when we first started, one of our first students. There you go. And then, uh, then she got working for us. I was really impressed with her work ethic. She took on a number of different jobs uh, for me and just did them so well. And uh, I was so pleased when she got back and got to be the president because I think she'll do very well. Well, she has done very well and is doing very well. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, it's great to see, again, like how the college campus has yeah. grown here and the offerings that you have. So we were talking a little bit about it earlier. Uh, what are you doing now uh, in relationship to your work here on the reservation? Not much. <laughs> I've got a good friend that's a researcher. He does most of the research, and he and I have co-written several books about our local tribal, tribal stuff that we think is useful for people, and I mm-hmm. wish I had when I was, when I was starting, but, but uh, I've been doing that, and I serve on the uh, foundation board for the college. Mm-hmm. I do that. Yeah. I used to represent them at the legislature, but I haven't done that for quite a few years. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, as a tribal member, myself, being Northern Cheyenne, um, I want you to know, and we were just meeting with the tribal council before oh, yeah. coming here, and um, it was interesting because there was, there was comments from the council members about how one tribe helps another tribe oh, yeah. and how we're open to that. And, uh, and I think you're probably aware, and if you're not, uh, the development of Salish and Kootenai College has helped a lot of tribal colleges here in Montana. Um, yeah. You've really led the way in a lot yeah. of ways, even with your foundation, setting up yeah. your foundation, because you yeah. knew that you had to be able to raise funds yeah. uh, for your organization. And yeah. that's really had an impact on other tribes as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important, the fundraising. And then <clears throat> we, we also uh, were the first ones to have a building fee. And we didn't have any buildings, and we had a building fee. I used to get teased about it. <laughs> but as a result, you know, we had a little cushion there that we were able to use, and, and uh, with a little credit from the tribe, we were able to build all these buildings. And, yeah. Uh, so that, that, that's really helped. And the foundation, uh, well, we took a lead with foundations. I had a great co-worker that, that read into the bill when Congress appropriated money for tribal colleges to have access to money for foundations for fundraising because they didn't they didn't want us coming back to them all the time yeah but it only lasted a couple of years and uh, we were hit bingo on the very first one and and uh, with our tribe having money they were able to match us and it was a dollar for dollar match and so we uh we asked for a million dollars and the tribe matched uh, the million dollars and and uh and so when the tribe matched a million, then we got two million from the feds. So oh wow! So our foundation started out with three million right off the start. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It's just that innovation of, yeah. of uh, seeing the need. And, and now with that money, need. we've been able to buy this land, of uh, what the campus is on. It was owned by a, a farmer. The little white house sits out here. It was his house, oh, and yeah. we slowly acquired it. Was his retirement program? He'd send us eight, ten acres at a time. And we'd buy it. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. We accumulated the whole 80. Yeah. And huh. so the college owns the land. Is it put into trust? No. Is, oh, okay. So it's separately owned by the, yeah, the college. We, I don't know why it's not put in trust, yeah. but it just, we thought, I think for credit purposes, maybe, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't think it was necessary because 
we borrowed $5 million to build this building, and they were just concerned about our foundation assets, not about the land asset. Yeah. So yeah. I think it could all be in trust. It would benefit the school if it was all in trust because yeah. they would get 874 money, the public schools. Yeah, yeah. wouldn't but, it? So I, I'm not sure. Maybe Sandra's got enough on her plate without Probably. going. Probably. I'm trying to put my own house in trust in Ronan, and I've been at it for three years. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. The the house that I inherited from my mother and father in Northern Cheyenne, it took me five years to get a mortgage on it, even uh-huh. though I owned it outright. So yeah. it's it's quite a, uh, a laborious issue in Indian yeah. country yeah. to take care of land and yeah. ownership. Um, I, I want to get mine in trust just for estate purposes. Yeah. So it'll be much easier for my kids to exactly. take care of it. Yeah. Exactly. So... Um, another question I had for you is that, you know, most of the tribal colleges here in Montana and there's seven tribal colleges, um, most of them are two year colleges, but, uh, here you have four year programs as well as two year programs, right? Yeah. Kind of by accident, I got invited to be on a commission for AACJC, the American association of junior colleges. Uh, Uh, and I was put in with private schools private two-year schools, and uh, with that association, some of them began to go to baccalaureate programs because they said we should, you know, because we struggled transferring our students, and our students struggled where they go, and we have all the faculty, and we have everything, so why not be a four-year school? And uh, so there's a couple colleges did that, and then we were were right on their tails, and we established ours. (laughs) And I think our first one was in, uh, I can't remember, was it in forestry or was it in uh, human services technology, I mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. which grew into sociology. Mm-hmm. I think those were our, our first. And once you get your first four-year program, you have to go through a whole complete study, just self-study like you did when you got an initial accreditation. Mm-hmm. And they don't want you to use existing money, you know, for program, all that stuff. And uh, once you get your first program, then you can just add them after that mm-hmm. with a letter to the commission that you want to do this. And, Is that right? Yeah. And then you have to pay for them too, right? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. small thing of paying for them. But. Yeah, I didn't want to start one unless I could see down the road where we're going to be able to keep it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we've had, we've had many in Northern Cheyenne that have come here to, to yeah. college, you know, because of yeah. the programs that you have and the fact that it's on an Indian reservation, which yeah. is much like home. The other thing we did is, uh, and the other colleges didn't want to do, is we got into the guaranteed student loans. I didn't think it was my right to determine whether a kid could borrow money or not. Yeah. We just tried to make them really aware of the responsibility if they do borrow money. Yeah. And uh, that's really helped students from other reservations too, because they can come and get the money to go to school. Yeah. And, and then, uh, of course, they hit us with that uh, repayment rate, default rate. Yeah. The first year it came out, we had uh, three loans out, and two of them were in default. Oh, wow. So we made yeah. national headlines. We had 66% default rate. Default rate just starting out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, then it went to, I don't know, 40%, and then it went to 25%. And then they, they said if you uh, have 25% or more three years in a row, they kind of back down a little bit, then you're really in trouble. Mm-hmm. So we were over 25% two years. In the third year, Department of Ed came out helping us, you know, 
for alternative plan when we lose, you know, that right to, 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 for financial aid and how to get around all that. Well, lo and behold, we come in that year with 24.5. Oh my God, just we were, under. Just under. So that gave us a whole nother three years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now they've worked at it. And I think this last year, was, it was less than 1%. It's like 0.5 or there something you go. like that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And again, in Indian country, it's like, uh, we're not starting from ground zero, are we? No. We're starting from below ground zero, yeah. you know, to learn how, how to do it, uh, which other organizations have been doing it for years and years. Yeah. So, so those accomplishments are, are yeah. twice as important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we thank you for taking some time today to talk to us and to welcome our uh, Indigenous Immersion Program. Oh, yeah, here, well, thank you. To your program. Enjoy to visiting with you. Yeah, thank you again. It's always a pleasure. You're listening to a mini series of Listen First Montana about Leadership Montana's newest program, the Indigenous Immersion Initiative. For part two of this episode, we're featuring a conversation between two participants in the program, Major Robinson and Cinda Ironmaker. Cinda, um, you and I have been doing this Indigenous Immersion Program with Leadership Montana for, it's been over a year now, you know, and um, you're, could you tell us a little bit first uh, tell me your your full name, and then tell me a little, uh, a little bit about your tribal affiliation first. Uh, my full name is Cinda Ironmaker, um, Ironmaker one word, and I am an enrolled member of the Blackfeet tribe. Okay, and right now you live in Billings, Montana. Is that, that right? is correct? Okay, and what's your what's your job there? So I am the Tribal Public Health Specialist um, for the Rocky Mountain Tribal Leaders Council. Okay, good. And so you have been a part of this uh, immersion program and um, are looking at it from a Native perspective. Um, so here we are on Confederated Salish and Kootenai and Pondere homeland, traditional homeland here. What's what's been your experience so far with this trip? I know you've been here before, but what's been your experience so far coming here? What's it been like? So a lot of the time when I come here, um, I don't always get to get the individual. Um, like today we spoke with Rob McDonald on the water compact. A lot mm. of those conversations mm -hmm. um, are, are not usually brought up. It's mm -hmm. usually on a different on, on a different level that I right. come here. But it's it's just the learning. Um, I think with all of the tribes that we have went to, um, a lot of the the cultures are different on each reservation. Yeah. And many of those I did not know. So I am learning as we go along too. Like I say, like we get into those individual conversations with leadership Montana and whoever's teaching those classes. And um, I learn. I learn um, things that I never knew before, even though I've traveled to many of these reservations, many times spoke to many people. Um, some of these conversations are um, things that I have never known before. Great, good, yeah, I think that's exactly what I'm finding too, is that we gain that 
very truthful perspective when we're hearing tribal members on their homeland speak about issues that they're very familiar with. I think we're going to have to take a break here right now because we're getting ready to go into tribal chambers. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. To close out this three-part episode, we turn the mic on Major Robinson to ask him a few questions. Here's Major. We are in the Confederated Salish and Kootenai Tribes tribal building, and uh, it's in the northern part of Montana, um, near the beautiful Flathead Lake. Um, We're in the town of Pablo. And so the building itself, we're standing in the lobby area right now, and we've walked in through the entrance, the front entrance, and the building itself is built uh, to symbolize a drum. So if, if you look at it from the outside, uh, the whole structure has this sacred drum feel to it uh, and look to it. And then once you walk into the lobby, you can see that it's decorated with all of these angled timbers, lodgepoles, that are meant to be the sinew that's kind of holding the drum together. Um, Pretty soon here we'll walk into the tribal chambers and the chambers themselves are absolutely stunning because it is meant to be the inside of a lodge and that's where many of the tribal councils over centuries, you know, have met within that lodge, within a lodge and so I'm sure their thoughtfulness in working with the architect was that we we meet in a lodge, and so um, it really emulates that lodge feeling on the inside. So we should share that you are an architect by training. Folks should go back and listen to Major Robinson. He's episode two of Listen First Montana. And interestingly, we just had program participant Chuck Wynn come over and say, I'm just dying to go through American Indian Hall in Bozeman, Montana on MSU campus because you were a major player in that design of that building, right? So can you describe in buildings like this, in American Indian Hall, in Bozeman, what it feels like to walk in and see the indigenous culture reflected in the architecture? Sure. Uh, You know, that's important because uh, it makes me stand a little taller. It makes me smile. Um, because it's us reflecting our culture and our buildings that we work and we live in and we play in. And um, it just shows, once again, that same message of we're still here. And not only are we still here, we're thriving. We're we're expressing our culture, our identity through architecture. And, And yes, the American Indian Hall was a project I worked on at Montana State University. I was on the design team and my job was to meet with all of the tribal communities within Montana and bring their thoughts into the design. Um, So I presented to all the tribal councils, I presented to all of the tribal colleges at community meetings and listened to their comments and then I brought it back to the design team and worked with the architectural designers and the leaders at MSU to weave in 14 different nations into one building. Um, So what we were creating, and and I think we have created, is a a home away from home for our Native students on campus. A home that they can share with non-Natives too, which I'm very happy to see is 
actually the case. So the students have a home because having gone to school at MSU at 18 years of age, leaving the reservation, it's a scary endeavor going into that, that different world. And uh, so to have that home where you can rest and learn and share um, was important. So hopefully we've created that home away from home for, for Native students. What a treasure for our state, Major. I just joked with you that whenever we show up somewhere with the Indigenous Immersion Initiative, we step into a building like the one we're in now, the Tribal Chambers of CSKT, and you say, I've been here many, many times. And I wonder in this session here on this nation, if you've learned anything different in what we've heard in these presentation. What is something new that you've learned here? Yeah, sure. Well, wh one thing that I've learned and I have been here to Salish and Kootenai many, many times. Always <laughs> love coming here and know many of the tribal members here, uh, actually related to some of them as well, and that's how it goes with tribes. Um, but what I've learned on this trip is realizing how, how integrated we are with other tribal members as, as Native people. Uh, I was reminded that... Um, back in the 1980s that I actually worked very closely with a lot of the uh, tribal members because we were in that uh, kind of unique group of firefighters, you know. Um, a couple of us were smoke jumpers and I actually uh, was a smoke jumper that worked with the current tribal chairman, Tom McDonald. And um, it just it just made me laugh and, and smile because, you know, that, that was kind of part of our upbringing on the reservation is that you if you could if you could do firefighting you know that was that was something because you were giving back to your people you were giving to your family you were challenging yourself and then um, to go on to do smoke jumping was just a, a real honor to represent my tribe it wasn't just representing me it was representing my tribe there's not too many that do that and I felt like I was carrying my tribe with me and to see that the tribal chairman here was also a smoke jumper and, and lived that life. And in fact, Councilwoman Carol Lankford that we met last night uh, and that, I, that I've known for some time as, as well, um, uh, that, that she was also a, a, uh, a firefighter as well. <laughs> so it's just those connections that are so important that you know, we're taking our people to hopefully to that next level. Um, and, and, and leading in a way that's thoughtful. Um, but leading from a position of uh, identity and connection to our community. Thank you so much, Major. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks to Major Robinson, Dr. Joe McDonald, and Cinda Ironmaker for those fantastic conversations. And thanks to you for listening in. If you've enjoyed today's episode and want to support Listen First Montana, please tell a friend about the show or post your favorite episode on social media. Those small steps can really help us connect these stories to more listeners. Our intro is a rendition of the Montana State Song by Scott Gudger, and our other music is from Blue Dot Sessions. We'll see you in two weeks with our next episode. Until then, thanks for listening to Listen First Montana. Montana.